a podcast of the cinema. You, uh, you are Neil Tennant. <laughs> I am Chris Lowe. <laughs> or would you rather be Liza Minnelli and I'll be Dusty Springfield? Uh, Which one would you? Who, it it who, all who, works. What is your preference? Uh, I'm Jennifer Saunders and you are Joanna Lumley. <laughs> I'm probably more like Safi. Uh, this is true. Or the grandmother. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm Bubble. <laughs> I, um, You're Dave White. I'm Alonzo Duralde. My name is actually Dave White. Welcome. Yours is Alonzo Duralde. We are film critics. This is our podcast. Yeah. Uh, and we have um, not recorded a show since last Tuesday when the Academy Award nominations were out. We recorded a show on Monday. Correct. The day before. And now it's Tuesday the following week. Yeah. Um, and we don't have anything to say about the Academy Award nominations other Except than... Except yay, Robot Dreams. <laughs> Alonzo's very excited about Robot Dreams. Uh, In the animated feature category. I don't have opinions uh, about what is nominated and what is not? And, I never do. And, and yay, Godzilla minus one, which I'm hoping you get to see one of these. I guys. have opinions about the show, about the event, about sure. the fun that I will have participating at home on the couch in my pajamas with a well, I suppose a bowl of pasta. But the bowl of pasta will not be with me on could the couch. Could we could we cover the couch with sheets so that we could have the bowls of pasta? You know on what? The couch? Yes. Yes. Do you want to eat your pasta on the couch? Yes. We'll cover the couch. That would be great. I want to have my pasta and the Oscars at the same time. We will cover the couch. I, I, I will make that happen for you. Great. Because I know you like to get all cozies on the Comfers couch. Comforts cozers. <laughs> to get all cozy on the couch. With Chubbert Checker. With your... <laughs> with your... With your... Uh, I know that... I know that... that, that a uh, friend and neighbor Gary Cotty keeps saying carbonara, carbonara, carbonara. But like, wouldn't we all prefer bolognese instead? I mean, I'm not getting mad at either one of them. Wouldn't you know, we all rather have bolognese? It has been something of a tradition that you have made the Nigella uh, bacon. Yeah, it's true. But I've also done the bolognese before. I love you. It's always pasta. That's a tradition. The tradition is pasta. You don't got to strong arm me into that bolognese. The Academy Award evening food in this home yes. is pasta it because is pasta it's night. easy. It's Prince Spaghetti Night. I and love that Ruth Reichel bolognese. I can make the bolognese a day in advance. Mm. Put it in the fridge. It just tastes better the next day anyway. Um, and I think that would make me happier as a... Because then all we'd have to do is make the pasta. Sure. Um, so I'm thinking... Look, you're doing the cooking. You do yeah, what am, you like. I am <laughs> doing the cooking. But for sure, we can cover the couch, and and that will be fine. Awesome. Yeah. Um, that way, we can enjoy the meal while we're watching... Etc. Etc. Rather than sit at the table and be at a weird angle right. from the TV and all. And that also will give me a chance to watch the pregame mm. because I love all the gowns. I love the fashions of many gowns, beautiful gowns. You know, sometimes the men look as good as the ladies, but it's always the ladies that look the best. Well, you know, I think you know, there's always the you've got that Billy Porter wild card. You know, right? Coleman Domingo yeah, yeah. is proving himself that to is be true. quite the uh, red carpet. Yeah. Dwayne. Yeah. 
you know, uh, if Lil, Lil uh, Timmy Chalamet is there. Oh, yep, yep, yep. He's always wearing something <laughs> as befits a twink. From outer space. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I want to see what Paul Giamatti turns out with fashion, mm. though. You know what I mean? And where will he get a burger afterwards is the other big question. Um, He might just go back to Internet. He might go back to Internet. Now that it's a bit. True. Now that it's a bit. And there is one not far from the uh, Dolby. Will it be open? Are they open that late? Uh, uh, you know, well, I mean, it's, I mean, not, it's literally down the street. Yeah, but it's not that like, late. It's, Remember, it's the, a three block walk. The Oscars start at five. So oh, that's true. That's true. It he is could a, go like on his way to the governor's ball or something. He could just walk out the door pretty much Dolby and walk down three blocks. blocks. Yeah, It's three blocks to Sunset. Yeah. From the theater. And at the corner of Sunset and Orange, is that in Is that in and out? You know they're getting ready. If you don't in live in Los Angeles, maybe yeah. you're bored Welcome by this conversation. Welcome to the California. No, you're not. <laughs> I, um, yeah, but we are having, I've already, just, I just decided right here uh, on the mic, bolognese. Okay. Yeah. And I don't have room for more than like a couple people here. I mean, can we There's get not the, enough room. What's that? There's me, you, friend and neighbor GC. What's that awesome? Uh, if there's anyone else coming over, you'll be selected by hand, perhaps. <laughs> What's that yeah. awesome pasta that uh, the bucatini? There we go. You want bucatini, or do you want that 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 fancy kind that the, the cascatelli? <gasps> do you want the cascatelli? Oh, oh God, I, you're, <laughs> I'm gonna pass out. Yes, I want the cascatelli. The cascatelli is that fancy new kind. Yeah, I mean it's not new now. It's been around a couple of years now. Yeah, the kind that the podcast invented. Yeah, and got a patent on. It's so it's oh it's good. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. let's get cascatelli. Shoot the works. Whew. We'll cook it all. <laughs> I'm much more excited about this than pretty much anything else that is associated with Oscar yeah. Night America. I, um, <laughs> if I have any opinion, let's get back to the real subject, the serious yeah, um, subject. Yes, cinema. We talked about this on Linoleum Nights, which is a another podcast that we do, and we'll talk about that later. When we when we give you the Patreon pitch, the yes. hard sell, the the foot in the door, the old plug arena. Yeah, we were talking about how the Dua Lipa song was not nominated. Yes, and I have a whole theory now. I've spent two weeks thinking about this. <laughs> I was thinking about this even before when it was just on the short list, right, for songs. But now it's not been nominated. The other two songs from Barbie were nominated. Yeah, that's the one that did not get nominated. Yes. The <clears throat> the least good of the three songs, but yeah, the most yeah, yeah, popular. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and in the in, the, in the, and the, although I do not believe in such a thing as a snub, I don't think there are snubs. Snubs no. aren't There's no such thing. No one cons, nobody conspired against any one particular, no. yeah. Um there's just as you said Mark Harris said, someone comes in sixth. Exactly. I, uh, I, I do have a, I do have a feeling, uh, and forgive me, Linoleum Nights listeners, you already heard me say this. Here's what the Academy Award has a problem with. 
disco, house, techno, electronic music in general. They have given more uh, Academy Awards to hip-hop songs than they have to contemporary dance music, you know, uh, American R&B-based. You know, people were talking about RRR, the song from RRR, yeah. and, and Jai Ho. Uh, those are dance, those are dance danceable songs from other countries. Yes, uh, not based in you know American disco music. Right, and and only one last dance has ever won, and I believe it's because it doesn't fit the structure of what people traditionally think of in when they think of disco. Mm-hmm. Anyway. This is my ongoing theory, and I know I'm right. <laughs> I know I'm right. I, I think the Dua Lipa song should have been far better to even really haven't been in the conversation. Uh-huh. I think it's. I think it is a medium okay song, uh, but you know, Daft Punk was never nominated for the Tron yeah. score. Why is that? Why is that? You know, and so I don't believe uh, that the majority of the Academy voters have ever progressed beyond the uh, understanding of disco sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I think. It's quite possible. However, you know who doesn't think disco sucks? This is a good segue into the first (laughs) film we're going to discuss. Would it be the Pet Shop Boys? It would be the Pet Shop Boys. The bloody Pet Shop Boys, sweetie. (laughs) Uh, they have a movie. Yes. And it's going to be in theaters for two nights, yes. at least in the U.S. No, it's globally. Going, oh, only, okay. But then it's going to stream somewhere uh, after Probably, that, yes, right? of like, course. They're not, they're not going to just no. <laughs> remove it yeah, from Yeah, erase the, the disc. No, 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 no. All right, so today's Tuesday, January 30th. Yes. It's going to be in theaters February what? No, when, what? Wednesday, January 31st. Oh, tomorrow night, January yeah. 31st. Tomorrow if you're night. listening before tomorrow night, you might have a chance to rush right out to the theater. And then there's a reprise screening, I believe, on Sunday, February 4th. Okay. Well, the film is called Dream World. Yes. The Hits Live. And it is a two-hour, one-hour and 54-minute concert film. It's not a documentary in any other sense. No. Other than that, it is a, it is a filmed it's concert. It's a performance film. That they, they did in Copenhagen, I guess last year. Yeah. Uh, it was a greatest hits. And what's funny about this, well, there are several things that are funny about this. <laughs> they have had too many hits to fit in one two-hour chunk, which means that that concert was chopped down to a manageable running time for film. Or what I mean is that concert was filmed and then they chopped it down to under two hours. Do we think that they, do we we think they played all the hits or do we think they decided this will be a concert of nothing but hits, but not all the hits. If Madonna can go out and do most of her hits, except for causing a commotion. (laughs) All right. I'm st- I'm mad about that. Too. I'm very mad. I'm about very, that. I'm so mad. Um, so angry. <laughs> I'm not here for this. Who's that girl erasure? Um, I okay. I don't know. I don't know what the original Pet Shop Boys performance was. But yeah, definitely, you were not getting all the hits. You are getting all hits, and a song called Monkey Business. And a song called Monkey Business. That is, the, I, 
I guarantee you it was not a hit anywhere. Yeah. I haven't but, looked up the information yet, but not only is it a bad song, you go to the bathroom during that song. Yeah. But if it, you're it, watching it in the theater or even at home. Yeah. Go. Like we did. It's fine. We got uh, a screen. We got a. You know what? We're film critics. Yeah. So they send us a they sent us a link. I uh, I suspect they were like, you know what? We're going to throw in something from from this decade, right? Just to show that we're still relevant. But, I go on. What did you think about this this uh, this this two thing? hour experience of the Pet Shop Boys? Uh, look, it was it was um, as as a geriatric Gen Xer. Exactly. What did you? I was that, the target that audience. That really comes into play here. Yeah. It, <laughs> Honestly, I I found it entertaining and pleasant yes. um which is to say that it is a it is a pet shop boys concert film which means you are not going to get a lot of dynamic choreography no, no. <laughs> or know, or any or any yeah there, there will be no choreography. there's going to be a lot of them yeah. standing there behind keyboards yes. and singing and sometimes and, behind weird metallic masks that yes that make them look like the face. moon men from uh, aqua teen hunger yeah. wars yeah uh, you know, I, Chris Lowe is not budging for anybody. Nope. He never has, never will. Nope. Uh, Neil Tennant does a little bit of, you know, moving he, about he walks. the stage. He walks around. <laughs> he walks from from one side of the stage to the other side of the stage. The the, the visual appeal here is all of the the video the, the video stuff going on yeah. on screen behind, behind them. them. Yes, but you know, like. If you are, this is this is not going to be the 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 piece that converts anybody. Like you could take somebody. Oh, no 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 no. If you, you can, are a young person and you're like, I don't really know much about the Pet Shop Boys yeah. at all, then this is not how you become a no. fan. Like stop making sense is how you mint a Talking Heads fan of somebody who For wasn't sure. one. Yeah, this yeah. is not like just go back and get any of the sort of video compilations they put oh, out over yeah. the years. Oh, for sure. All their old videos from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Top notch. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, these fun. guys were. They, and YouTube's they, got them all. Yeah. yeah. And, and they were they were always very cognizant of the fact that, that they, as performers, were resolutely undynamic. So right. they would be like, all right, Derek Jarman or Bruce Weber or right. whoever, right. like, yep. make us into something. Yeah. And uh, and so the videos are great, and the songs are terrific, you know. And 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 obviously they're one of those bands for me where different songs remind me of different parts of my life, you know. I Once remember again, as speaking as a geriatric, geriatric Gen, Gen Xer, Xer yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I started going out to gay bars for the first time, that's when you know. Um, uh, uh, it's a sin, or I wouldn't normally do this kind of thing. Uh, no, Which no, no. It's it? uh, uh, left to my own devices. Left to my left own to my devices, own devices was constantly playing. All right. um, when I first moved to Los Angeles in the early '90s, I remember buying Very on CD. Yeah. You know, and so Go yeah. West and all of that stuff. So yeah, I you know for me this is a band that I have emotional attachments to. Me too. So seeing their concert film was a treat, but. If you don't fall in that category, there's not much for you here, I would say. I would say absolutely correct. Um, but I'll say this as well. Looking Every time the camera would cut to the audience. They were into it. Obviously, or they wouldn't be there. But <laughs> well, like, sure, but I mean, what? but they were actively into it. Okay. Where I was going with this yes. was lots of young-looking people there. True. Oh, and straight couples like spooning each other and dancing. And I was like, it's a whole different ball game in Europe with uh, this kind of music. In the United States, you know, you might as well have been hanging onto a bottle of Perrier and <laughs> what was the other? What was the other a evidence? picture of Joan Crawford? A picture of Joan Crawford. <laughs> you, 
I was like, what was the evidence they find with the football jocks right, and Heathers, Heathers, a bottle of Perrier, and a picture of Joan Crawford? Um, there, they had obviously the Pet Shop Boys had big mainstream success over in the United States as well. They had big hits, yeah. that were across the board popular with all kinds of people. But you know, it, 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 we as... we the we the queers uh, took them. Closest to our hearts, I believe. As you noted with the Academy, there's a different take on EDM and dance music in right. in the Europe yeah. than in than yep. here. Yep. And so yeah, they they had bigger hits and they had bigger hits to bigger audiences. Yeah. Uh, they did uh, all my favorites in this, and and those favorites are just because I'm going to be self indulgent here for a moment. <laughs> I love All Right from the introspective. Uh-huh. Record because it was kind of their first house sounding. Ding 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 ding. Yeah, yes. so you got that piano. <laughs> you can sell me a timeshare <laughs> if you put it to house. If music. you just put it to piano driven house music, <laughs> Dave. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, um. Lest you think that I'm just all punk and noise and metal and all that stuff. No. No. I represent my demographic here. Uh, they also played uh, uh, Being Boring, which is so good. Yeah, I love that one. Uh, and the Village People cover, Go West, which is not a hit for the Village People. It was an album track. Yeah. But when they recorded it, when the Pet Shop Boys recorded it in the early 90s, it was that much more meaningful, and you know, Gary came over to watch it with us, and uh, I said, they turned this into a song about death. Yeah. And not to be, you know, a complete bummer about it, but, you know, 1992 was not a good time yeah. to be uh, a queer man in the United States. They made it Nor very... was any of the 80s into the mid-90s. Right. And so... They made a very wistful and minor key. Yeah. <clears throat> so when they did cut to the audience, every once in a while they would cut to a gay... Of our age. Who was living. <laughs> there, was, there, were some, there were some gays that were like... Living for it. Having a moment. In the audience, and I'm really grateful that they cut to those those gays. I was like, "Yep, I know, I know who you are. We were born in the mid 1960s. Here you and we're are, all younger than Neil. Yeah, we're all still younger than Neil Tennant, who's going to be 70 this year. Wow. Yeah. Um, but not nearly, and even Neil is younger. Oh, I got another segue. I got another segue. Look at you. Yeah. Neil's 10 years younger-ish than Gibby Haynes mm. from the Butthole Surfers, who has a small role in the new film called The Sweet East. Yes. That we are also going to talk about. Let me pull up my information. <laughs> the Sweet East. <laughs> Sean Price Williams. Yes. Cinematographer the for the Safties, for uh, Alex Ross Perry. Or Frownland. Or Frownland? Frownland. The great Frownland of the early, uh, sorry, the, yeah, the 2000s. Yeah. Uh, Frownland's a weird, 
a weird character. It was shot in 2002, a film made in 2002, not released until 2008. Hmm. Uh, but boy, when it was released, it made an impact on those who saw it. Yes. Uh, and now there's a criterion, right? Now there's a criterion, yeah. Uh, a, 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 a groundbreaking, in its very tiny, obscure, weirdo way, indie film of the 2000s. Are we calling it Mumblecore? No, because I don't like that word, but also because no one's really mumbling in Frownland. They're doing more like this, like, <laughs> okay, whatever that is. What Grunt kind of core? What kind of core is that? <laughs> what kind of core is <laughs> complain core? Complain core? <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, he shot that one too. Ah. Uh, great cinematographer. Yes. Who has. <clears throat> been, you know, without becoming a big name, has been responsible for the look of some really important American independent films. Yeah, he shot Good Time. Yeah. So this is his first, this is his first film as a director. Yes. And it was written by the extremely cool film critic, Nick Pinkerton. Yes. Who I'm a big fan of. Uh, And whose book... About uh, Goodbye Simon, Dragon Inn. About Goodbye Dragon Inn, the amazing masterpiece by Simon Lang, uh, is a wonderful uh, little, and when I say little, I mean the size of a deck of cards, hmm. uh, little book, hmm. a full book length essay that you can genuinely put in your pocket. <laughs> it's smaller than your phone. And so I, I recommend A, Goodbye Dragon Inn. I recommend Nick Pinkerton's book and pretty much anything Nick Pinkerton writes uh, in the way of criticism. What do you think? Well, first of all, this film stars uh, Talia Ryder from yes. Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Mm-hmm. And it also stars uh, Simon Rex, yep. uh, A.O. Adebery, Jacob Elordi, uh, and Jeremy Harris. Do you know that name? The playwright, Tony Award-winning playwright, sorry, not winning, Tony Award-nominated playwright, he wrote Slave Play. He's the other filmmaker oh. alongside uh, Ayo Adebery. I did not recognize Ayo him. Ayo from Bottoms and from The Bear. Yes. Jacob Alordi from Everywhere. Saltburn. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, okay, so I didn't know. Ty Ryder plays a, uh, a high school student. Yes who was on a class field trip and she in Washington, D.C., and she is so irritated, repulsed over it regarding the behavior and general, uh, you know, everything of her, class, her classmates, <laughs> that she, she bails, she ditches, she goes AWOL. From the field trip. Well, they, they happen to be at a, uh, they're all at a, in a pizza place when a gunman shows up in a very ripped from the headlines moment. Yeah. And she takes advantage of the chaos to just like. She ditches everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that element of escape and wiggling your way out of pretty much any sort of bad situation becomes how the film pivots from scenario to scenario. Yeah. She. Uh, the website for the, the the official site calls it picaresque, which is yeah. literally what it is. <laughs> and she has 
this character has a way of being incredibly observant and listening and taking all the information she needs from whatever situation she's in and then using it to jump out and into the next one. Yes. She'll, she'll borrow bits of people's identities or experiences or backgrounds yeah. and and throw them into conversations whatever and whatever her to next explain stop is. herself for the next time exactly yeah. to kind of to create the, the persona for whatever situation she winds yeah. up being in and that is the most interesting part of this movie her Go on. her sort of magpie ability to kind of craft these identities based on the the, the previous people that she's come into contact with uh-huh. um but it is you know by necessity a, a sort of episodic story where you go from place to place thing to thing so first she falls in with some anarchists then she meets a uh, white supremacist intellectual played by simon rex right um then she falls in with some indie filmmakers uh and then in in who, a who fall head over heels for her yes and who you know are like no you're gonna be an actress you're gonna be yeah, our muse, our discovery. They they yeah. perceive her as this talented actress, which in a way she is because she is this person who's constantly reinventing right. herself right. and improvising in whatever situation that she's thrown into. Yeah. And then later she, you know, uh, is possibly uh, taken captive in a by a group of fundamentalists. Um, and you know, there are there are moments along the way that uh, I found really entertaining. I mean, Talia Ryder's great throughout. I like the way that she's she's always sort of on her toes and piecing together this, this character. I like the way the film has a kind of ramshackle quality to it. That feels like it's being made up as they go along. Although obviously it isn't. Right. Um, I really like Simon Rex. I, I think uh, I'm, I'm still mad. He didn't get an Oscar nomination for red rocket. Right. Uh, but he's terrific in this playing a very different kind of character playing, <laughs> playing a, a, a sort of, Yes. On the one hand, a you know literary intellectual, he's like a, a literature professor, but then also, also a neo-Nazi. Who's also a neo-Nazi white supremacist and a creep. Yes, yeah. um, you know. So there's a, there's a lot that I, I liked about that. I you know Io Debris always fun, and, and Jacob Elordi has a few moments as this. Uh, yeah, I was also involved with the indie filmmakers, who's kind of a celeb, right? Um, but by the end of it, I I didn't I a felt like this is a satire that is not focused on anything much like it it throws some pot shots out in various directions but doesn't really hit them that hard and it 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 just kind of feels like by the end of it it felt like a bit of a shambles to me as i watched it i i stopped thinking of it as a satire Uh uh-huh um because i'm not sure if i was supposed to think about it as a satire in the first place. You don't think when the gunman shows up at the pizza place, we're not supposed to be thinking about the, the whole uh, Comet pizza thing? No, we are supposed to be thinking about that. And then that's not satirical? I think it's simply... Okay. First of all, let's talk about the formal aspects of it. Because sure. what, you, what you touched on is something that I really admire about this. It feels loose. Mm-hmm. It feels uh, sort of... She's on the run, but the film feels like it's on the run, too, yes. in many ways. Um, I love the look of it because it's got that grainy, woozy, uh, all the you see all the dust in the light. <laughs> you <laughs> yes, know? yes, you do. Um, and it made me think about where 
uh, Sean Price Williams comes from because he was part of that whole, you know, 2000s filmmaking world, which absolutely intersected with, you know, the, the cool kid art world of that moment. Dash Snow and Dan Colin and Ryan McGinley because there's this shared early Vice magazine aesthetic mm. going on from that moment that feels like it's been transported through time here. You know, there's a dirt bag uh, sort of aesthetic going on. The CK1 adds if that basement had black mold. Well, you're talking about an earlier decade. Though. I know. Okay. Um, I'm talking about the 2000s. I understand. I was... And so when I watched this, I was thinking of Dash Snow, and I was thinking of Ryan McGinley, mm. and thinking of that whole, you know, grimy, <laughs> grimy world. Um, and quite often, I... Remember that decade, obviously, because it was only, well, 20 years ago. <laughs> it was only 20 years ago. <laughs> it felt, that whole world felt not satirical to me. It felt so, like something after that. Um, and watching this, I, I, I had the idea, like, is the point of this film to sort of throw out its arms and just say, well, here's all of this, you know, or is, is the point of the film to be this woozy, grainy snapshot of life as it is right now. And, and as insane as the way the United States feels like, like it's become, um, and, and maybe offer a blueprint if not how to fix it, but to like wiggle your way through it, <laughs> you know? Um, I, and I hate to say this as a person who's supposed to have an opinion, I don't have an answer. So I don't know if it is an empty film or if it is a film about emptiness. And uh, I might need to look at it again later on, give it some time. I, I think it... <laughs> But I, I like it because I love how it's shaped. Well, I, see, I, I kind of feel like it cops out from having a point of view, but I think you're looking at the lack of a point of view as being, you know, maybe a, the, a feature, maybe a the feature not a bug. View, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you might be right, but... I might be. I, um, I, 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 you know, I often am. <laughs> let's be, I found, let's be real here. I found it unsatisfying, although yeah. with pieces that work yeah did you like iss i did like iss because i have not seen iss i, I feel and like and i don't feel like i need to it's and maybe when it comes on some kind of free streaming situation like who put it out uh bleaker street where will that show up oh you know Peacock, the places, Hulu, Tubi, I don't Tubi, know, like freebie. That's kind of um, where I'm thinking. It's you know, 
It is the kind of I don't, movie... I just don't feel like going. Is that? And I'm no. going to use the excuse of I'm still recovering from hip surgery. Sure. As, Look, as no, no one feels like going. Like, it's not doing anything at the box office. And yeah. it's the kind of movie that, like, in a couple of years, people are like, hey, you know, it was actually pretty good. ISS. Right. Um, it is, you know, it, it, it is... Uh, it's a genre film. Like, it's a good B-movie, basically, that's in outer space. So you've got Ariana DeBose as an astronaut, uh, and she and John Gallagher Jr. are sort of the two new arrivals at the International Space Station. Um, their commanding Wait, officer... did we already talk about this last episode? I don't think so. Pause the recording. I need to go find out. <laughs> Get it together. <laughs> okay, we're back from double-checking. <laughs> I checked the show notes from the last episode, and it's not in the show notes. Yeah. But why do I feel like a sense of deja vu about well, having this conversation? Because you probably heard me talk about it on like oh, breakfast all day did. or whatever. Know. Okay. Well, make it quick. Oh, anyway, fine. So basically, <laughs> nuclear war breaks out on Earth, and so both the, the, the Russian astronauts and the American astronauts are given orders to take over the space station. Right. And so you have this group of six people in this very confined space, and there are many different loyalties and many different you know alliances and allegiances, and you have to figure out, you know, it's all about who's going to come out on top. And, you know, I think that for what it's trying to do, it succeeds. It's a it's a cool little thriller. It's an interesting setting because, you know, you've, you're, you people are floating around without gravity and, you know, the open the you open the pod bay door and you all die. You know, so it's it, it's it's not like this masterwork of cinema, but as a sort of fun, you know, like I said, it's a it's a it's a fun B movie with a budget. OK, moving on. Fine. A film that was on the shortlist for Best International Feature for the yes. Academy Awards, but that was not nominated, mm -hmm. but that I think might maybe be better than everything that is nominated, <laughs> uh, is the new film from Aki Karasmaki. Yes. Called Fallen Leaves. Yes. Finnish, German, romance. Yeah. Comedy, yeah. Drama, comedy drama. Yeah. Don't think of this as a romantic comedy. Not in the Meg Ryan. In sense. the way that you're thinking of romantic comedy. <laughs> okay. Uh, it stars. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin their oh names. And I'm very sorry because they're Finnish actors, Alma Poisti and Jussi Vatanen. And I'm sorry. For anyone who's from listening in Finland and who thinks... Who just clutched their ears just, in pain. You just destroyed my ears, yeah. Uh, there is a, a woman who works in a supermarket. And then she is fired. And there is a man who works as a construction person, yeah. sandblasting things. But he drinks on the job. And that's him. He is an alcoholic. Yes. Well, they meet, and they become interested in each other in a very, very quiet, tentative way. And over the course of this short running time, like 80 minutes, a lot of complicating factors sort of threaten to derail them. But most of, mostly, it's their own 
personal stuff right. that threatens to derail them. Not least of which is his alcoholism. Yeah. Because she says at some point during the film, yeah, yeah no to this. Yeah. My father was a drunk. My brother yeah. was a drunk. I'm not having No, it. thank you. And as someone who uh, has who grew up with a variety of alcoholics in his family, um, I am fully on team. Not now. <laughs> I'm a grown up now, and I decide who I'm going to associate with. Right. Okay. So that rang very true. But it's not. It's not. Nothing is overly stated here. Yeah. Uh, nor is the way he responds. And I won't spoil the way he responds, but it moves in such a way that you believe every second of this. And and the seconds count here because again, this is a very short, economically yes created uh, succinct. And I love it so much. He's a wonderful filmmaker. He, 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 his narratives are always, with the exception of the Leningrad Cowboys <laughs> movies, which are a whole other thing. Um, his films are about regular people in regular jobs whose lives are unremarkable, you know. The overwhelming majority of people in the world, myself included, we are not special. We don't do special things. We aren't special people. Uh, and yet, you want your life to have pleasure and dignity and affection and friendship and, you know, maybe even a little romance if you can scrounge it up somewhere. And, and that... That's what I have in my head here about this film, like the scrounging it up. <laughs> Go yeah, on. I, you know, I, I, to be honest, uh, Karzmaki is one of the gaps in my uh, film education. I had never seen one of his movies before this one, uh, but I get it. I get the appeal of it. There is a, and it's not even fair to call it minimalist, but it's just sort of... It's kind of minimalist. It's kind of minimal, but yeah. it's also, I think, just sort of... It's just sort of laid back, you know? In and, that and, vintage Jim Jarmusch way. Yes. And, uh, in fact, Karzmaki and Jarmusch have... Collaborated. Have, have been in each other. Yeah. They've, yeah. they've worked together. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I like the, the, the naturalism of this. You uh -huh. know, this feels like... You know, that's about two working class people, and a lot of the film is spent at their at these jobs that are sort of drudgery. Um, but you know, they they do them, and 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 she particularly, I think, you know, like puts effort into them and lives a nice life. But yeah, would like a little more, and there's the prospect that they could offer each other a little more. It's a very simple story, uh, but I don't think that makes it smaller than a complicated story. No. Um, because their simple story is complicated by external factors, you yeah. know, poverty, the aforementioned alcoholism, the fringes 
of an understanding that war is at their doorstep. Yeah, that's that is the 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 recurrent theme throughout the film. Like every time somebody turns on a radio, there's discussion about what's happening in Mariupol and how the Russian invasion of Ukraine is going. Yeah, which you know, if you're in Finland, that's right at your that, doorstep. That, that really matters. Yeah, this is yeah. not an abstract. Um, and so you know, against this backdrop, can like these two regular folks like find a little have a life have yeah exactly find a little something that 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 makes their lives special and i think it is harder in a movie to strip it this far back and still feel like you're engaged and you're you know you have you have a commitment to to how the characters are going to turn out and what the stakes are and that kind of thing. And I think those are all very much there, even though he's really peeled back a lot of the sort of cinematic elements you might get from other directors. I think, well, I mean, there's plenty of cinematic element going on. I, 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 I mean, particularly of, for a certain kind of cinephile certainly. who is given lots of little gifts along <laughs> the way. Uh, this is a film about people who love going to the movies. Right. And, and uh, by cinematic elements, I just mean like the kind of things that usually in a romantic comedy are there to sort of spruce up the frame. You but know? You're, not, you're not talking about formal filmmaking. No, 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 okay. no, no. There's let's, plenty let's of be, that. Let's be clear yeah. about that. But I mean, like I said, there's a tonal quality to this film that is best enjoyed by people who uh, know that they, that they love uh, dry understatement <laughs> And deadpan gestures. Uh, the, the characters frequent a movie theater, and the posters at that theater call to mind many of the films that clearly inspired Karzmaki in telling this story. Yeah. L'Argent. Uh, Brief Encounter. Brief Encounter. Yeah. So, it's a movie about... Will you become the right kind of person for the person that you want to be with? It's wonderful. It's so wonderful. It's 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 a beautiful film. It's quite lovely. Uh, it is now I, streaming on Mubi. If, I want y'all uh, to watch it. If people missed it in theaters, you can watch it there. Yeah. And then finally, we have Totem. Yes. It's from Lila uh, Aviles. Yes. Also shortlisted uh, for the Academy Award and not nominated. Right. She made The Chambermaid a few years ago. Yes. And this one is about a, a little girl who is uh, spending the day at her grandparents' house. There is going to be a birthday party for her father, and it is probably going to be his last birthday party, even though he is quite young. He's in his late eh, 20s, early 30s, something yeah. like that. And he's got cancer, and he's going to die. Uh, and the film takes place over the course of this entire one day. One day. And the entire family converges on the house at various points. It is, in many ways, it reminded me, I heard you mention the, the, the holiday sequence of Roma the other day. Mm -hmm. uh, it also reminded me of Sierra Nevada, the mm. Romanian film from a few years ago. Right. Where there's, this, there's this big family all in one small apartment. Uh, apartment. This is a, a larger home. Yeah. Uh, a home that has seen better days. It, it's a home that has been very well lived in. Uh, and you can tell there used to be some money going around. Right. And, and then 
you and could because you see hints uh, in the production design and in the the set design of this is a his, historically this family has had good taste right. and has had some cash, but now early on they talk about how there's no more money left because the cancer wiped wiped out the the, the reserves. Right there's there's uh, there's people who need to be paid who aren't paid. Yeah, there's a kitchen. That has an oven that is about fifty years out of date, right? <laughs> kind of like our kitchen. Yeah, um, but but, but but there's also a what's the chair that you always obsess on? Well, it's <laughs> it works here. It functions here exactly the way it's supposed to. Yes, no, no, to. totally. The seventies um, lushness. There's a there's a there's a, an arrow. Uh, there's a sarin and womb chair in their living room, and I've I've become fixated on the sarin and womb chair as it is used in cinema. And I know this is a ridiculous thing to become fixated on, but quite often in the past, particularly in the past 20 years, the mark of a young go-getter in any kind of film, you know, gen- generally a glossy comedy uh, about people who live in the moral equivalent of the friend's apartment <laughs> where it's too big there's too much furniture. How did you afford all of that? Right. Your job pays you what? <laughs> and this chair costs $8,000? Can you explain that to me? You know. Um, but here, you see that it is a very lived-in chair in a lived-in home. Right. And, it, and it's been in the family since the 60s or whatever. At the peak of and its popularity, it's they, could going af- they could afford it, and they yeah. bought it, and they still have and it. And they still have it. Uh, so anyway, that's a complete derailment, and I'm sorry. <laughs> this is not a film about that at all. No. This is a film about a little girl slowly coming to understand that life is about to change in a huge way. Because um, when you're seven, your concept of what death means is l- extremely limited. Um, you may have lost a pet right. at that point. But she's about to lose her father. And the entire family is about to lose a loved one. And everyone is reacting to it in different ways. And because the film is from her point of view, largely from her point of view, there are things she can't see, things she can't understand, and the film does go into that as well. But largely it's from her point of view. Because she's the focus... You see the, 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 how do I make this clear? The way your consciousness moves in and moves out mm. of, of kind of understanding. You know, at times she's just playing with snails. Right. <laughs> at other times she's listening intently and watching what's going on and, and the world is beginning to, to dawn on her. Um, and I think it's lovely and it's sad um, and it's f- really funny uh, as well because this family is, in its character, it's like a family I know quite well <laughs> um, in terms of their gathering in one spot and talky talk, 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 talking. <laughs> what do you think of this? Um, I, I like this movie. And I, but I didn't love it, and I thought I would love it because there's so many things on paper that this is so my jam. Between the family, between the you know kid dealing with the loss of a parent, mm-hmm. um, 
and between like some of the just rapturous praise it has received from some quarters, yes, uh, I from, think from this quarter. Well, but I'll, I, I'll be a rapturous praiser. Right, but uh, I saw it. Before, I saw it before you did, so yes. that didn't fig- figure into it. Yeah, and and I ignore your opinions anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I like it. I think I think it it is very effective in a lot of ways, and it it, it does capture that whole sort of like one day, you know, that changes everything and, and the, the, the character perspective and whatnot. Um, I don't know. There, it just, there's, I think there's an emotional component that I was expecting that didn't quite wallop me in the way that I would have liked, but you know, I, I can't really fault it. I think it's, it's, it's well made. And, and, um, I think they get a lot of the details are right. And, um, you know, I think maybe there are, I don't know that it all works the way that it's intended to. I think that there are kind of digressions that maybe, for me anyway, didn't add up to as much as they might have. Um, but I, I like it. I firmly like it. I like it more. Okay. The end. You may. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out what the listeners have to say. We got letters. We do. Where are they? I'm going to scroll down and get them. Here they are. Andrew says, uh, I haven't and likely won't see Mean Girls. But I'm curious if the tight framing of it is to make it easier to view in a vertical format. Uh, well, we did talk about that. Right. Well, we talked about watching it like on a tablet or on TV, but he means in a vertical format like... You know, uh, remember when Quibi came out for two yeah. seconds? You mean a phone. Right, but but not watching it, you know, horizontally in landscape, but watching it vertically in portrait mode mm. with the sides chopped off in that way. He said, I've long wondered how the impact of the vertical presentation of reels, TikTok, and the memification of movies and TV shows would have on the actual production of films themselves. Mm. I wonder if filmmakers will or will be encouraged to, <laughs> by the powers that be, to tightly frame everything to fit into a phone format. Uh, you know, it's an interesting theory. Um, yeah. You know, I remember when Titanic came out. Yeah. A lot of discussion of how Cameron would frame his shots thinking ahead to sort of the pre letterbox era of home video. And, and the pre sort of 16 by nine screen. And so you would see a shot and, and there would be like, well, this is what it's going to look like on your home television, your, your like mostly square home television. Right. And this is what it looks like, you know, projected in anamorphic. And so I wouldn't be surprised now if you had, again, the Quibi thing, you know, they designed all of their content to be viewable either in portrait or in landscape. Right. And I'm wondering if that's going to, even though Quibi failed, if that idea is going to bleed into cinema where the center of the frame becomes paramount so that if people are watching it on a phone, you know, right side up, that whatever's on the side is less important. Well, I hope that is not the case. Ditto. <laughs> and if it becomes the case, I'll just retreat further and further into my <laughs> little box. <laughs> Never see anyone or say anything. <laughs> become that. We will get along so we can yell at people. Really get off grumpy of it. old man that just yells at things. 
I was told this morning that I'm already the grumpy old man that yells at things. Oh, really? Well, yeah. you yeah. probably you probably were being grumpy and had it coming. I don't think I was being grumpy. I mm. think I'm sweet. Mm. You can be. You can be both. <laughs> Linda uh, would like to comment on what we talked about last uh, week that has nothing to do with cinema. Uh-huh. But uh, when we recorded last week, our hot water had been turned off because there was a problem in the building. Yes. Um, and then they, they fixed it. Uh, but she says, why didn't you just heat some water on the stove to wash the dishes? And, I, and so what I, what, I, what I did was exactly that. I heated water on the stove to soak the dishes yes. in the sink. Uh, but then I would have had to heat more water to rinse them. To rinse them. And I was like, God, I'm just going to wait for them to turn the water back on. <laughs> And be grumpy in the meantime. And be grumpy in the meantime, which is exactly, <laughs> and that's just what came to pass. <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier that you were going to do the hard pitch for our Patreon. I am, and here it is. We have a Patreon. Uh, you go to patreon.com slash linoleum knife. Very simple. On that Patreon, we have a variety of extra podcasts at different uh, subscription levels of money. Depending on that subscription level of money, you get a different podcast. If you subscribe at the tippity top level, you get all the podcasts. You also get to join us for a monthly uh, club meeting where we all watch a movie and we talk about it. I mean, most recently, we had an online uh, uh, version of, of what was going to be known as the Rowdy Cats screening. Yes. Back in late 2019, when the film Cats opened and was such a complete fiasco and box office disaster, it immediately became a uh, sort of midnight uh, offering for people who wanted to go to see Cats and misbehave yes. in the screening. Uh, and then came COVID, which robbed all of us of the, uh, the growing cult of the have have fun at a cat's screening. So we did that at our own home and everybody watched it online and we talked about it and said fun things to each other on Discord. Well, that's one of the things you get when you uh, become part of our Patreon. And uh, subscription uh, uh, models begin at $1 per month and then up from there. So basically, we have extra stuff for you to listen to if you want to buy it. We're selling it. Thank you. Patreon.com slash linoleum knife. Boom. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. A quick reminder, you can catch me on a handful of other podcasts. Uh, Christy Lemire and I do a show called Breakfast All Day on our YouTube channel. Is it a quick reminder or is it a gentle reminder? Uh, Quick and gentle. Very, very gentle. Uh, We do a show called Breakfast All Day. It's a YouTube channel. It's also available as a podcast. You can hear me on uh, Maximum Film every week on the Maximum Fun Network. And uh, I pop in with regularity on uh, the Deck the Hallmark podcast as well. Um, And uh, I have a book coming out in a few months called Hollywood Pride. You can pre-order it now in all the places where books are sold. Uh, Subscribe to this show for free at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review there. We will read it on the air. You can also leave us positive feedback in the many places where we stream, including uh, Spotify and YouTube Music and Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Podbean, etc. Thank you, Blue, for our wonderful theme music. He's at blueblu.bandcamp.com. You can follow us on the socials at LinoleumCast on Blue Sky and Instagram and Facebook. And drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back soon with more. And until then, goodbye.